the episode is is going to make you uh, love yourself more. That's that's the the bottom line. Okay, it's an episode that talks about how you can look in the mirror and love the person that you see in front of you because you know work has gone into uh, creating that person, either from the inside out or from the outside in, um, and that is the 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 r- road that we try to pave. Uh, to anyone who is consuming our information. Uh, yeah, we make the best skincare in the world, but it's not going to work if you are not going to be optimized. So we're trying to give you both sides of that. All right. Welcome, everyone, to a new episode of the Neuroflex podcast. I am your host, Toby Passman. On the show with us today, we have a special guest, Amitai Eschel who is the Young Goose CEO and co-founder, who's been an entrepreneur in the biohacking and beauty fields for over a while now. He has held executive roles in the health, wellness, and beauty industry for over a decade, as well as being a business development consultant in that space. As co-founder and CEO of Young Goose, the biohacking skincare company and host of the Young Goose's Biohacking Beauty podcast, Amitai has been making waves in his industry through education and innovation. Amitai, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I'm very glad to be here. Absolutely. Um, Hey, just real quick. Do you hear an echo? Like I hear an echo when I'm talking. Do you hear that or not? You don't hear it? I I don't don't hear it. Okay. Let's edit this a little bit out then. That's weird. I didn't hear it prior to us starting the recording. Now, after I speak, every, that's so weird. I don't hear it. Okay. I'll just ignore it then. Okay. So, Amitai, tell me a little bit about why you decided to get into, or why you decided to found Young Goose, and just tell me about kind of blending kind of the biohacking and skincare worlds together. Well, um, the, the blend was, was um, or, you know, look, looking to get into um, innovation within the, within the biohacking community is really uh, a passion project. Uh, it's not the first company that, that we have, that we founded, that, that, um, that is in that space. But, um, you know, biohacking or health optimization is, is what I'm interested in as a, as a person. So, um, and I think similarly to you, it's much easier to deal with things that you are interested in and, and are passionate about uh, that just from a creative side, more comes out of there. And, and this is really, um, I feel like a, a more meta answer to your question. It's just what I love and care about. But um, Within that space, uh, the first company that I held a, an executive role in was uh, ro- one of the first companies that dealt with red light therapy. We actually took a therape- therapeutic laser and, and converted it into a into a you know home device. Um, f- what now people know as red light therapy. Back then, you know, <laughs> uh, photobiomodulation was the name, but really no one knew what we're talking about. And it was a real, real big challenge to explain to people why they should invest, you know, five hundred, six hundred, a thousand dollars into something that, that, um, that really emits red light, like a red light um, lamp, for that matter. And um, we found out that even though this is a therapeutic device, it has like benefits anywhere from the brain to, to you know, wound healing and 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 blood flow and inflammation reduction and whatever that is, the end consumer really wanted to look better. Uh, and I think that's the first time I realized there, there is direct, or you can really hijack people's uh, you know, vanity, and I'm not saying it in a bad way, but, but kind of uh, get people to be healthier and to create a, a positive impact in their life through kind of talking to their to the end result of them looking better and i think that's where the connection first happened uh when you know when we were looking to really create something that would serve people 
Uh, we were looking in the beginning to create an NAD product, uh, and we can get to into what NAD is, but NAD boosting product that would be the most effective and would you know, cost less than what was available then in the market. When, uh, that was uh, 2014. And what was available back then were either really expensive supplements, I'm talking about like $600 supplements, or a $1,500 uh, IV drip. And we wanted to, you know, create something else that would be way more uh, feasible financially for most people. So we tried to create a transdermal cream. The problem is, is that we found out the skin really, really, really likes to have more NAD. So even if you got it to absorb through the skin, this, it's going to kind of be uptaken locally. So we made lemonade out of lemons. We made a skincare company. But I think really the... the, the um, the decision was made very easy, more more easy for us because we knew that we can affect people's overall health by explaining to them, explaining to them how this ties into their biohacking routine, to their health optimization routine. Um, we later, or through research now, we're finding out that really having a more functionally youthful skin not talking only about the appearance of the skin, but really skin that functions like younger skin can have effects on the brain, on the rest of your body, and not only vice versa. It's not only the healthier you are, the skin looks better. It's actually also the reverse. So, you know, it, it's funny it, what you were saying there about, you know, everybody, you know, being able to appeal to sort of the biohacking market at an early stage by sort of appealing to, you know, everyone's desire to want to look better. It's funny because I actually work with a, a brain photobiomodulation device. It's a helmet um, that delivers red and near infrared light. And it's funny that the guy that created it, he says that like almost after almost every lecture he gives, you know, where he's talking all about the, the brain benefits of this device, there's always a guy that asks, can this, I heard this can regrow my hair yeah. <laughs> and it gets, you get so pissed off, not because it's not true. It, it can help with that, but you know, he's obviously focused on the brain benefits. I just thought mm -hmm. it's funny though, that that's how, you know, you, you really can appeal to a lot of people though, like men wanting to improve their, uh, you know, their hairline. Uh, so it seems like you guys, you, you found something similar kind of early yeah. on in the biohacking industry. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and if you think about it, you know, subconsciously, we have something um, very interesting here. We understand that um, uh, the, the, whatever's really at the, at the extremities of our body, which is our skin, really is a mirror of overall health. And when, when I say that, it obviously doesn't have to be the case. I'm talking about our perception and our perception is is that if the skin functions correctly or if our hair grows correctly everything else functions correctly because as a being we kind of perceive ourselves from the inside out we perceive ourselves kind of living inside our body right living in some center of our body um, where everything kind of radiates out so i think if we don't if we look in the mirror and we see something that doesn't you know, align with who we are inside for that matter. If we look older than what we feel, there is a dissonance there that on a, on a subconscious level, you just want to fix in order to create more harmony with, with who you are. Everything, you know, it's obviously more complex than just saying that, you know, fixing a wrinkle or getting an injection or something like that and feeling better. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is that, there is some kind of alert going on in the brain where you, when you look at an old photo of you and you resonate with it more than what you resonate now with, with who's looking back at you from the mirror. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, and I think people will go to very great lengths, you know, to improve their skin. I mean, I think about in my case, often to the detriment of my own health, like thinking about dealing with really bad acne in high school and being prescribed different, you know, topical along with oral uh, antibiotics. Mm -hmm. Like I was seriously taking a, an oral antibiotic every single day um, that caused like horrible GI symptoms and, mm -hmm. you know, is obviously like probably not a good idea for most people to be on 
like a, an oral antibiotic every single day to deal with their acne. Um, and, you know, Accutane, there's been lots of different issues in terms of like the, the nervous system dysfunction that can be caused by that. So it's, it's really cool to see what you guys are doing in terms of, you know, dealing with these skin issues in a non-toxic safe way that can, it sounds like can actually really help the body kind of restore from the, the inside out as well. Yeah. Um, as you said, you know, in acne, I think is a big, um, obviously a big issue, even though we're predominantly catering to the, um, to stave off skin aging. We are obviously because we are, you know, perceived as an authority in the field. We do get asked a lot about acne or different, you know, different acute issues, if you would. And that is, again, another sign, or if anyone experienced it, it's another sign that your body is kind of, or, or it's another experience where you feel your body is working against you, like how you're trying to communicate to your body that you don't want whatever that is to happen, right? And it's very, and, and the, the more it, it, this dissonance is um, pr prolonged, the more you develop some kind of um, unhealthy relationship, mental relationship with your body, with your skin, with whatever that is. And, um, you know, you resor resort to things that do not benefit your body as a whole uh, because of that broken relationship. And I think a lot of the times it's something that takes takes a while to, to rebuild. Um, and obviously, again, our goal as a company, my goal as, a, as, a, as, a, as an entrepreneur is really in the end to create um, less suffering in the world and to improve uh, over human happiness. And um, I believe our products are not necessarily doing that actively. They, they definitely support that by creating better skin, but our company as a whole participates in the overall en endeavor, the overall effort of um, improving human human experience. So I want to talk about, you know, can you sort of explain um, to the audience sort of uh, how skin aging occurs? You know, what what are the, the forces that are driving our skin to age? And also, is this, is it, because I've wondered this myself, is it much different than the process by the, re you know, how the rest of our body ages? Because I've seen just like in your guys' formulas, it seems like, you know, NAD, resveratrol. So some of these things that, you know, are supposed to be very good, you know, just taken orally for preventing aging. So is, is skin aging and, and just overall aging pretty similar? Or are there any key differences? Yeah. yeah. First of all, they're very similar. Now, uh, there, you actually asked like kind of three different things here. So first I'm going to answer the simplest question. They're very similar from a cellular perspective. When I say that, I mean, you know, um, we have around uh, um, now 12 hallmarks of aging, and they are also uh, they are also the ones that are that are perceived as the overall the, the overall uh, drivers of skin aging. Okay, we'll say we'll 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 just kind of answer that. Now, as far as uh, you know, chemicals, if you would, any any molecule and, and the way that it would inter interact with your skin rather than a different organ, that is, um, that's not as, as easy, okay? Because in general, chemistry in our body is different from organ to organ. Um, you know, the easiest example is adrenaline in the brain and adrenaline in, in the rest of your body, epinephrine, norepinephrine. I mean, that's the easiest example. But there are many, 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 many different examples like that. I mean, another one that people could probably recognize is melatonin, the difference between how melatonin works in the gut and in the brain, for example. So we cannot really take just whatever works orally or through an IV or anything like that, slap it on the skin and, and, and hope it's going to, you know, behave the same way. Okay. Having said that, what is, what is really skin aging? Now I'm going to answer like the bigger question. What is really skin aging? Um, so first of all, we have two types of 
drivers of skin aging. The first one is called intrinsic aging. That is from the inside out. And the other one is extrinsic aging. It means from the outside in, exposure to the elements, etc. Contrary to common belief, about only 20% of skin aging is driven by intrinsic aging, which means overall body aging, how we eat, etc. Obviously, if we treat our body poorly, that is going to increase, okay? But, you know, in a perfect world, that's going to be 20%. If we take good care of our, our body, um, you're going to eliminate or you're going to reduce the, the, the aging of your skin by 20%. 80% is our exposure to different environmental stressors, such as obviously UV radiation. It's something that most of us are going to, you know, know as, as a, as a, something that exacerbates a skin aging. So uh, uh, ultraviolet rays in the sun are damaging, are creating physical damage to your skin, even in the level of your DNA. So they really change, you know, the information that your cells can even draw upon. So imagine if you have a recipe and every cell in our body has a recipe, um, how, what it needs to do, how it needs to behave, anything from collagen production to, to um, you know, uh, protection, uh, reaction to different, uh, to uh, viruses, whatever that is, whatever, anything, okay? It's all in our DNA. And the, the sun really um, damages our DNA. And that is why you see a lot of dermatologists or whoever that is um, talking about sun protection, etc. We can talk about that. That is, that's obviously a complex issue. But as far as aging is concerned, we need to recognize that this is a big driver of aging. Another one would be um, uh, blue light that we get from artificial light, screens, etc. It behaves in a similar way. Um, because we are, most of us are, are indoors most of the hours of the day and uh, the blue light it's called high energy visible light really does the same thing damages dna it also uh, compromises our skin barrier and the same way we have leaky gut or we now know that we have leaky brains uh, the same way we can have leaky skin Um, and that is one of the things that disrupts the skin barrier another thing is um, electrical magnetical um, fields, uh, EMFs, uh, they also, you know, disrupt our skin barrier. And last but not least is pollution and environmental aggressors. So if we live in a, in a big city, that's going to be even more, more detrimental than, than, um, UV radiation. So all of those things together, they drive about 80% of what skin aging is. Um, that is as far as what drives it. But what really skin aging, as far as you know, growing old is, you can think of your skin as, as I said before, it's kind of, uh, at least perceptually, it's, it's kind of a mirror of what's going on inside your body. And the reason is, is because the, more, the older we get, the obviously the more inflammation, the more disruption, accumulation of unrepaired damage we have in ev- everywhere in our body. And our skin, wh- which in our, um, in our prime, in our reproductive prime, was meant to exude health and vitality, is becoming more, less and less prioritized, and prioritized more as a, as a barrier to the outside world. And that is basically the skin is being sacrificed as we grow older. The it it you know it gathers more damage than our internal organs or our you know muscles or whatever other tissues um, from the from the environment, and it becomes more and more a buffer. And uh, the repair processes that our skin is normally going to be engaging in are becoming less and less prioritized as opposed to the rest of our body. So it's very difficult also to treat our body from the inside out because the body prioritizes it less, and that's why we need to 
create stimulation, whatever that is, in order to signal that we want our skin to, to repair itself, etc. So we kind of need to trick our body. Um, but that's kind of an overarching uh, idea of how, how you should look at skin aging. Um, there is really a lot there. Um, so I tried to give like a vast answer. Yeah, no, there's there's so many different uh, ways I could go off of that, but I, I definitely want to dig further into you know uh, how the sun affects our skin because you know I definitely have always been you know told that by dermatologists you know avoid avoid sun exposure you know, um, but my personal experience you know I grew up in Oregon where during our very long you know winters are getting very little sun and my acne, you know, was, was, you know, pretty problematic. When I moved to Florida a few years ago, I saw my, my acne cleared up dramatically, um, just from, you know, regularly getting sun exposure. And I'm curious is like what you're talking about with, with the sun and the UVs sort of damaging our skin. Is that any exposure to the sun? Are you specifically talking about sun burns or is that something like just the sun, maybe even though it's kind of clearing up my skin and has some, you know, reducing inflammation, is it still kind of like aging my skin, even if I'm not getting burned? That's a great question. So, uh, yeah, so any exposure, that's the short answer. Um, and acne, again, is, it, is it's almost like a separate journey uh, than skin aging. It has, it doesn't have... It has something to do with skin aging because, you know, increased inflammation, etc., will again, you know, eventually unravel itself into skin aging. But um, it's not. We cannot really infer what's healthy for our skin longevity and what helped our our acne. Um, so that's number one. Um, the sun is a detoxifier, so it does will help you release toxins. It will. You know the blue light and the the UV light that that we just talked about that damages uh, our DNA also helps rid us of bacteria. So it's obviously a double-edged sword there if we're interested in in skin longevity, but we also have acne. Um, but it's all you know within that um, journey. There is there is a ba balance that we can strike. First of all, because there are obviously amazing benefits to sunlight, it we can, you know, choose where we expose our body to the sun. So it doesn't have to be our face. It can be areas that normally are not exposed to the sun, like our torso, um, etc. Uh, so not necessarily the face. But to your question, any UV that interacts with your skin will create DNA damage, period. And that, as far as we're, we're progressing in our journey in life, is becoming a more and more and more critical. You mentioned, for example, NAD. So NAD, just again, very, very short, we can think about it as the um, potentiator, potentiator of energy. So the more NAD we have, the more energy we can create, and also the more repair we can engage in and vice versa so by the time we're 60 we have about half the nad that we used to have when we were 30. Um, in our skin it is being exacerbated why because the more dna damage we have the more nad is needed to repair that acute damage and there the less nad we have to maintain things uh, from a longevity perspective so it's a it's a snowball more damage, less less maintenance, less maintenance begets more damage, and, and that, that cycle continues. So that's just as far as, as, as aging is concerned. You know, treating acne with blue light and UV is something that's been done for, you know, 50 years. Um, so, I mean, that, that's, that's something that we need to consider as, as an alternative to, to other medications, um, but not as far as longevity. That's, that's really interesting. I, to think about it almost like what you were saying is almost like acne and skin aging is almost like separate entities altogether. I, I never really thought of it that way until now. Um, I'm curious. So, 
you know, besides NAD, what are what are some other key ingredients that um, that can prevent or slow down uh, skin aging that you guys use in your formulas? Okay, so um, what I would like to first of all, uh, there are very interesting uh, ingredients that are that are that are constantly uh, were constant constantly. Uh, discovering. But what I'm going to say to begin with is really how you should think of as far as like ingredients. And there are a few ingredients that, that we're interested in. First of all, they are basically, as I said before, signals for repair. How can we refine the repair signal we're, we're emitting or we're communicating to our body? And what, what I mean by that is we need controlled, accurate damage. If we're damaging the skin too much, we are going to create also, as, as we said, DNA damage. We're going to create basically um, a, lot of, um, a lot of static noise in, in our skin, a lot of confusion. Okay, you can think of, um, you can think of um, in this, the skin, is, the more it, it ages, the more it is like a, um, like a child. You can confuse it very easily. It's not going to perform tasks very well. Okay, so you, you, can, you can hurt it. Um, so... Really, we, we need to make sure that the communication that we have with our skin is the most accurate that we can have to, to signal repair. Then we need to support that repair by either, you know, building blocks like NAD, and we're going to touch on some other ones, uh, peptides, etc. Um, or we need to support it by, by um, protecting it. And that's kind of the third thing that we're trying to do. So we are, we are making sure that the skin barrier is, is behaving correctly, uh, repairing leaky skin if we have that, and protecting it from the sun. Okay? So from the first, the first uh, block, which is, um, which is signals for repair, the first thing is um, retinol. So retinol is a type of vitamin A. By the way, we did speak about um, Accutane, which is a synthetic version, but retinol is very interesting because it is the probably the most uh, researched um, repair signal. And still, we only found out that it can also interact with a longevity pathway called mTOR. So it is a really, really cool ingredient. It it's a very common ingredient, so you'll see a lot of um, a lot of noise online as far as like um, a lot of clickbaity type of um, headlines that retinol is bad for you. There is no evidence for that whatsoever. And I'm talking, you know, I'm talking to uh, famous people that have shows on Netflix and things like that about um, about healthy living in general. And they try to actually join that trend. I'm not going to mention any names, not to put them on the spot, but they tried to join that trend. They tried to put retinol, um, like to, to look at research and, and kind of have a clickbaity episode about retinol. And they just, you know, abandoned it because there is really no evidence for retinol being bad for us. Retinol is amazing. Um, and it, especially as we grow older, it's one of the best signals for repair. The problem with retinol is that it creates dermatitis, retinol dermatitis it's called, basically flaking, irritation, etc. So um, we have to make sure that we repair the skin barrier uh, together with it. We have a proprietary blend for that, um, but uh, you don't have to only use Yangu's products. Um, retinol in general is a, great pro is a great product to use. We also use uh, a lot of algae ext extracts for that signal for repair because um, there are some extracts that's, uh, uh, that uh, really are the most pure form of communication. They communicate directly with the DNA for repair, collagen production, elastin, hyaluronic acid, etc. So this, this is what we use for that. Uh, we also really like resveratrol. So resveratrol is another form of communication directly with our with our genes, especially our sirtuins, which are longevity genes or anti-aging genes. The problem with resveratrol in the skin, as opposed to the gut, because as we said before, it is a very popular supplement. In your gut, you have uh, basically uh, resveratrol is an irritant, okay? Us as human beings, we did not 
develop really uh, good mechanisms to sense changes in the environment. So we don't know, you and I, we don't know if there was a, a, a uh, solar flare and now there is more UV. We don't know, we can't really tell if there is some kind of uh, microbial you know, onslaught in the, uh, in the environment around us. But what we did uh, develop is the ability to sense signals from plants in our environment. And resveratrol is something that's expressed when the grape or berries or uh, we can talk about many different plants, uh, that's their uh, defense mechanism against, you know, um, uh, different uh, microbiota or different uh, or, or UV radiation and, and things like that. Uh, and we sense it as, as, uh, as a signal, as a stressor. The problem is, is that our gut has the ability to kind of get that signal and eliminate retinol, uh, excuse me, resveratrol. Our skin does not. Our skin doesn't have the enzyme to break it down and eliminate it. And that is why, so actually, resveratrol is toxic for our skin. Um, that's why you see, uh, if, you, if you buy a normal brand and it has resveratrol, it's going to be on the bottom of the ingredient list, it's going to be a very, very, very low amount because it's only to, to have it on the label to say resveratrol. But what we do, and it's, it's a patented uh, form of resveratrol, we ferment the resveratrol and we make up for, for the inability to break it down. We kind of pre-break it down. So we maintain the signal for repair, but it's something that the, your skin can break, ver, break down very easily. So it's about 50 times more bioavailable and non-toxic, etc. Um, so that's another repair signal we really like to use. Uh, as far as support, you did mention NAD. We also use, um, uh, in a few of our formulation, things that activates, activate um, different support pathways, like NRF2 or HIF1A, so like TNF-alpha or uh, NF-kappa-beta, like uh, different, different uh, turn them off, turn them on, different um, pathways that are in, important for you know, repair. And um, we do it through different, different uh, peptides, uh, pep like GHKCU or Matrixel 3000. Uh, that is as far as support. Uh, protection, we have two things that we like to do. One, something I mentioned when I said uh, retinol, is that we have a proprietary complex that, that basically reinforces the skin barrier. So they're called biomimetic lipids, uh, lipids that mimic your, your skin's own lipids. The difference is that they don't oxidize, so you don't get blackheads. Uh, so that is something that we have a specific product for that. It's called BioBarrier, but also we have it in a few of our formulations aside from that. And um, that's one type of protection. And the second one is our uh, sunblock, which we called uh, BioShield because it's really is a, it really is a BioShield rather than just protecting from UV radiation. It also protects from the blue light that we talked about before, EMF, um, pollution, so all of those things. And we again we do it with a specific peptide, a very strong antioxidant uh, that's called Lipochroman Six. Uh, we do it with um, with uh, botanical extracts and zinc oxide which is the sunblock, uh, mineral sunblock that we have there. So that's, that's a really interesting uh, list of ingredients that, you know, mm -hmm. should be um, in people's skincare routines. What about ones that shouldn't? Because, you know, I, in a lot of commercial, commercially available products, there's, you know, I guess a lot of controversy as far as like how, how harmful some of these, you know, uh, parabens and phthalates, formaldehyde, all these things that, um, you know, there's some evidence to suggest that they're not really safe for human use, but are still being used in a lot of like very, you know, popular commercial formulations. How, how much should people really be concerned about these things when it comes to the health and, and aging of their skin? It's a great question. And I think it's um, even more it's even more complex than um, the, than what people think. First of all, it's all about the amounts. Um, 
because our skin, as we said before, has the ability to eliminate, to regulate, um, etc. So when we talk about um, any one of those harmful ingredients, it's not like any amount equals damage or whatever that is. Um, so some of the ingredients that we don't want there, again, are parabens, um, but uh, sulfates, uh, fa but, but, but really there, there, it's way more about sourcing than anything else. And when I say that is that it's because most of the things that are going to damage our, our skin and then kind of uh, disrupt our body are things that we consider harmless. So vitamins, um, different, different uh, oils that uh, tend to become rancid over time that can be found in any product that you, you can't really flip the bottle, look at the uh, list of ingredients and infer, oh, this is a product that's going to be good for me or this product is going to be bad for me. We really should be concerned about um, ingredients that can uh, absorb into our skin from the environment if we're disrupting our skin barrier. So if we have a product that we consider clean, first of all, it normally does not have a lot of active ingredients because it can't stabilize the formula well. So the minute that you are very cautious about your chemistry and you don't want to have introduce any type of um, natural, natural or chemical ingredient that would stabilize the formula because it has a long name and people can get confused, what you're getting is a you need to have a very sterile formula that doesn't do much. The problem, so that's fine. I mean, if anyone wants to put coconut oil on their face, they, they definitely could and go down that journey and see if it works for them, great. If you would like active ingredients in your formulation, you need, you, you, you're gonna have two things. Either you're gonna have products that are going to work great, but there, there has to be some chemistry involved with it. And um, obviously the better, the better the, the science of that company, the better checks and balances there are there to make sure there is no uh, disruption of different um, hormones or whatever, or there is no absorption into the blood, etc. Um, or you're going to get a product that has active ingredients, has no checks and balances, no nothing to stabilize the formula. And by the time it gets to you, which can be, you know, six months, a year from the time it was formulated, you're not getting the same product that was put into the bottle. You're getting rancid, you know, uh, more acidic product, rancid product, um, which when you apply on the skin is going to disrupt your skin barrier, is going to create way more harm than good. And that's when the real problems happen. The real problems are when, you know, different contaminants, heavy metals, um, more, more, um, viruses or whatever that can actually uh, reside on the skin and even get absorbed into the skin more uh, oxidative stress that's where when the real problems happen so it's a little more complex than than just uh, what's inside the formula it's more about the integrity of the ingredients like a lot of the times i tell the story about and i really tell it a lot recently uh have you heard that uh, a guy in australia won a lawsuit against uh, mcdonald's um i'm not sure what was this about he uh basically forced mcdonald's to admit they they buy in australia at least uh meat that's not uh, for human consumption and so it's completely rancid and what they do they laundry it with chemicals and make it so it's not going to make you sick but obviously it's like the worst meat you'll ever have in your life and it's probably not very good for your health. And um, that, but that's still meat. Like if you flipped the label, you're gonna see one ingredient, it's gonna be meat. Um, the same thing happens in skincare. You can buy a $3 product, let's say hyaluronic acid for that matter, or you can buy a $100 hyaluronic acid. Assuming both companies are honest, the difference would be um, the quality of the ingredient and um, the difference in your skin is going to be substantial obviously from the same ingredient so there is a lot more than just uh, names 
Yeah, that that's such an interesting and shifting my perspective just in terms of the way I look at at skincare products. How about in terms of you know within the biohacking industry? Obviously, like you know ketogenic kind of high healthy fat diets are are very popular, and there's also you know different camps of carnivore and paleo and vegan. How um, what's your take on you know these different um, diets and whether they can you know do something to support or potentially um, cause problems you know within uh, skin and skin aging? Yeah, I mean we can talk about both. So how do they how can they support skin aging? First of all, um, a lot of people have underlying issues that are caused by by um, different allergens in food or sensitivities. And what these sensitivities are going to do, they're going to drive up inflammation in the body, and obviously it's going to be expressed in the skin. Um, and over time, that's going to, you know, inflammaging is, is a very popular term now. So over time, what's going to happen? You're going to get more aging due to chronic inflammation in the body. That's that. And maybe I'll, I'll get into why. The reason is, is, because, is inflammation is very important. In every repair process, uh, we signal it through inflammation. The problem is, is that if you have chronic inflammation, as I kind of alluded to before, there is a lot of static noise. Okay, there is a lot of, imagine if, if uh, we need to have a conversation and there is a lot of static noise in the background. It's going to be very difficult for us not only to have a conversation, but really to create something from that conversation, right? We're going to be distracted. We're not going to be able to complete our sentences, whatever that is, right? Um, so the same thing about inflammation in our body. Inflammation is not bad. Chronic inflammation is bad um, because it, it disrupts the normal communication in the body. Um, and obviously, if we eat foods that are that are uh, detrimental to, to our homeostasis, the balance in our body, that's going to be a problem. Having said that, ketogenic diet, which I go, I, I do something that's called Keto Flex, uh, shout out to my good friend Venazadi. Um, I go on and off uh, keto, and the reason is is because uh, ketogenic diet is a stressor, is is a is hormetic, um, which means it's a stressor that uh, drives adaptation, positive adaptation in the body. But because of that, um, having too much of that hormetic uh, stress can be detrimental as far as our skin because again we're prioritizing other things rather than just our uh our skin thriving for that matter uh, so it's very important to um, fluctuate between um, fasting and feasting if you would fluctuate between abundance and scarcity uh, for for optimal wellness um, showing our body both both sides um, fasting some but then feeding the body properly other times um, it is very individual it is a journey but it's not but it is a journey it's not something that a person can adopt you know one menu for the rest of their life every day they're going to eat the same thing that's not going to produce the best results um, we talked about static noise before our body reacts to change to fluctuation so we need to present the body with new data on a regular basis we show the body a certain certain information the body adapts to it then we show it a different set of information rather than you know bombarding the body with the same thing over and over and over again and how about in terms of uh, different, say, biohacking devices or technologies that, um, you know, can potentially, what, what do you think, which technologies do you think can have the highest, um, you know, benefit to our skin? And one, I know we, you know, already touched on very early on being the, you know, red and infrared light, um, cryotherapy, what, you know, what's your perspective on how these other technologies can be maybe synergistic with our skincare routine? Okay, that's a great question, and I think what I should what I should you know say before that is that the the strategies that I'm going to say uh, we need to assume the person is healthy to begin with, okay? Because you can see it with our products, by the way, and you can see it with um, many of the modalities that I'm going to mention. 
your body needs to then go ahead and act upon the information that it's given. If the body is, is enable, unable to act upon the, that simulation, we're going to create more harm than good, okay? Um, and uh, so we need to make sure we're healthy uh, before we do anything like that. But uh, maybe we should start. You mentioned cryotherapy. So uh, cold exposure is something um, that's very important to drive inf to lower inflammation in the body, balance hormones, um, and also resolve things like leaky brain, which, which is very important for uh, the function of our body, our skin, etc. So cold exposure is fantastic. I really prefer, um, um, uh, I mean, uh, ice baths, and for a few reasons. Number one, um, we are lowering the body's core temperature, um, rather than just exposing the the skin to cold. Uh, when we do, I when we do, um, for example, cryotherapy, the problem is that. It's, it's very cold on the outside, but it doesn't really affect our core temperature as much um, and exposes our skin to more damage. So also more skin damage and also um, less reduction in cold temperature. If that's the only thing we have available to us, great. That's better than nothing, okay? It's also cleaner. It's much easier uh, to get in and out. So if that's what you have in front of you, do it. I prefer having an ice bath. Having said that, um, uh, going uh, within that, uh, let's say, um, realm of something we can do to our entire body and have it affect our skin. If we have um, a lot of uh, inflammation, a lot of uh, chronic, you know, chronic um, injury that causes inflammation, pulse electrical PEMF, pulse ele electrical magnetical field, um, such as. The, uh, the company called Pulse, um, um, Hugo, Matt, um, we can think of other ones. Uh, that's something that can resolve inflammation and, and it's going to express itself in better, in better skin health. Um, uh, red light therapy we already mentioned. Um, within red light therapy, I'm going to say that I mean uh, red light therapy panels and not necessarily infrared saunas. Infrared saunas are also great. Uh, if we are interested specifically about skin health, we should uh, take a lot of antioxidants when we when we engage in infrared sauna or apply, for example, something like our green tea phytoserum after the infrared sauna because it increases a little bit oxidative stress. So we need to balance it out. Um, but it's something that, that would detoxify the skin, lower inflammation, activate something that's called heat shock proteins, which are important for longevity. So that's important. We obviously need to replenish with a lot of water because the skin needs to be hydrated as our whole body does. Um, another modality that I really like is hyperbaric oxygen therapy or HBOT uh, or uh, hyperbaric. I don't know. Uh, anyone will... will you know, remember a different name, but really what this is, is increasing the pressure um, around us in a chamber. It can be from metal, it can be from from um, some, from a soft material. Um, it really depends what we're trying to treat. Um, but this is obviously one of the hottest, most popular um, and most expensive uh, uh, strategies for for uh, longevity right now, and it ha does have amazing results on the skin as far as collagen production and repair of of, of different uh, inflammatory issues in the skin. What I would say is, again, we need a healthy human being before we start that. Like if someone is struggling with a lot of oxidative stress in their body, that's going to be an issue because it does increase oxidative stress. So so we need to. First, make sure that we're healthy before we engage in it. Uh, exercise. Um, exercise is very important for our overall well-being and also for our skin. If it's detoxification, if it's the fact that we are applying that short-term heavy stress on the body, which then the body re you know, recovers from, that's very important for our skin as well. Um, uh, what else? Obviously, good skincare products, uh, which we talked about. Um, taking care of your brain, uh, your skin really needs a lot of uh, blood circulation. And the more our brain 
is stuck in fight or flight, the less blood is going to be um, circulating to our skin on a regular basis because there is more vasoconstriction. So brain health um, and HPA health specifically is extremely important for overall health, but also for our skin's health. Um, Senolytic um, supplementation, um, such as, um, for example, qualia senolytic or rapamycin, uh, which is uh, under medical supervision if you are doing it. Uh, things that are eliminating senescent cells are very important as well. And um, different peptides that are like CJC, ipamorelin, um, any kind of growth hormone, releasing hormones, um, BPC-157, which is uh, something uh, like the Wolverine peptide for inflammation, all of GHKCU, all of those peptides that you can inject are also very, very effective for skin health. And um, uh, yeah, I think I covered most. Uh, uh, that's a little bit harder to find. We obviously uh, uh, see it in the uh, biohack lab in Fort Lauderdale, but the CVAC machine, which is very similar to, well, it's not similar to hyperbarics, it's kind of the opposite of hyperbarics, but that seems to be uh, also a very good modality for skin health. Awesome, awesome. Well, a lot of yeah. good options there then. Um, well, Amitai, we are coming up on to the end of the show. Um, for listeners who want to find out more about um, Young Goose or just uh, connect with you, where would you direct them to? Okay, so um, the best thing to do is to follow us on Instagram. Um, we're very informative there, and um, you can really find out when the next webinar is, whatever that is, uh, where we are lecturing next, uh, where we're presenting next. So. Follow us on Instagram. It's young underscore goose underscore skincare. Uh, we also have a podcast that really is a deep dive. We, we really covered a lot of topics here. What we are trying, our evil plan in our podcast is to, again, improve people's overall health by communicating how their skin is going to benefit from a specific modality at the end of the day. But really, we're, we're looking at a whole human perspective. And the podcast is called Biohacking Beauty. Um, and obviously, if you want to learn about our products specifically, you can go to our website, which is younggoose.com. And um, uh, take a short quiz that would basically uh, direct you on, onto the right path. And you can always uh, contact us. There is a, a way to contact us. There is a chat that you can chat with um, um, our uh, estheticians that are that are available to talk to you on the ch on the chat. So many different ways, uh, and we will always obviously be happy to answer any questions anyone has. Great, great. Well, we will include links to all those in the show notes. And you know, I I definitely learned quite a lot today that I did not know about skincare, and and I assume probably the, a lot of the listeners did too. So, Amitai, thank you so much for coming on the show and just sharing all your knowledge and expertise. Thank you so much. It was it was great uh, being here.